Hello, readers. Welcome to 20 Questions with Your Favorite Author, where we ask authors important questions like, why would you agree to be on this podcast? I'm Kelly Lynn Colby, Editorial Director at Curse Dragon Ship Publishing. Our guest this week is Megan Mackey, writer of cyberpunk and personality at conventions. A Chicago writer, Megan has the Lucky Devil series, the Dead World series, and now Working Masks series under her belt, with a final new series coming out later this year. She's become a personality at many cons, and she is also a contributing writer for multiple RPGs. If she's not your favorite now, she will be after. Welcome, Megan. How are you this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I, st- I stayed away from the super, super heat. We even went swimming. And, Ooh. you know, th- I, this is almost the summers of my childhood, you know, where I didn't work and I played. What? Most- is that even legal? Huh? I don't know if that's even legal. Is that legal? Ever since COVID, I think it's standard operating procedure now. <laughs> Pools are open and you can actually go. Yeah, except pools are open, you can actually go. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> Chlorine to death, but I guess that's what you—the price you have to pay. That's well. It's, I'd rather have extra chlorine than less in a public pool. So indeed, there's mm-hmm. stuff floating around that I don't remember as a kid, and I'm sure it was yep. there the oh, whole yep. time. For sure. Yeah. For, for sure. sure. Probably worse because the bathing suits weren't as sophisticated, you know? Like, bathing suits can keep more stuff in now. Babies didn't have to wear that that swimming pampers thing. Yes, exactly. Great invention. Great invention. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, You know, for the last six months, we streamed a writer D&D adventure called Writing Wrongs. So we're having so much fun playing this D&D. And it's Monday nights here on Twitch. It's really fun. You should check it out. Okay. But... Um, you have a Pathfinder group that's been playing for, for a while, right? How long has your group been together? Oh, oh, ooh, four years? Four years, wow. maybe five? Yeah, we've been trying to work our way through the Rapanathuk book or the Rapanathic book, however you want to say it, because I've never heard it said. I've only read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a monster thing. It's a lot of fun, but it's like, uh-huh. this is a dungeon designed to kill you. <laughs> In many ways, an interesting craziness, and we've been working our way through it. We've actually paused the book itself because mm-hmm. we're like, we're kind of tired of dungeon crawling. Let's go do some role play and then come back. Oh, that's role play yeah. didn't incidentally happen too within that dungeon because you know, you get enough creatives in one space and magic happens. Right, no doubt, no doubt. Well, actually, actually I've actually yeah. been DMing the last few weeks myself, working through uh, Rick Heinz's Red Opera. How fun! Oh yeah, yeah. We've been winging it, and I am DMing, and I have no idea what I'm doing. But we're having fun, like you said, a bunch of creatives, man. We'll have fun. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. It's all about finding the random charts, and it's always amazing how sometimes the random charts will coincide perfectly well with what's actually happening, as if you planned it, and they think you're a genius. And you're like, well, I am at finding charts, <laughs> at finding charts and making making it work. Right. Well, how connected do you feel like writing stories and playing RPGs are? Well, very connected, but I also write RPGs, so <laughs> I'm dipping my toes in many, many pools. Um, there's the, the, the biggest difference between writing novels 
and playing games is you have to remember that while you're playing the game, you are not the main character. You are not the only hero. You are collaborating on that story creation. And so, yeah, you have to yes and. You have to know your boundaries because I've been in situations where people have like, oh, you're a female character. Why don't you just go seduce the teenage boy? And I and I had to be like, no, 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 no. I will not do that. I'm not going to play it that way. And please stop pressuring me. So you have to know your boundaries. You have to, you know, yep. it's a collaborative storytelling experience where if you're mm-hmm. writing a novel, while there are instances of collaboration because there are people who work together on the same series more often than not, it's you, your brain, and you are God. And and the first time you even have an obstacle to what you are creating is the first editing process. Right. You, know, you get those corrections back, and then you rage against the devil that is the editor. And then you have to go, <laughs> you're like, okay, the devil's kind of right about my use of syntax. <laughs> Maybe those adverbs are a little overdone. Let's like, fine, fine. <laughs> Oh, I don't. I just yield on commas. I don't even argue commas anymore. I'm just like, sure, okay. If you say that's correct, I approve. Yeah, you're like, whatever, commas. Are. I do that too. A lot of the punctuation, I'm like, I, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. It's not <laughs> yeah, my. If job. you rearrange my sentence, let me see why you did it to see if I agree. But the punctuation, I'm like, I don't care. Whatever you got, we're good. <laughs> if we're, if we're word choice arguments, sure. I will debate yep. word choice arguments every yep. now and then. But but <laughs> punctuation, no, forget it. I yep. I, I, I yield. <laughs> not my problem. There, I've got more stuff to write. I've got other battles. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I just went through the jungle of first drafting for you people. And it's not easy. If you're really that hung up on commas, you are not my reader. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I say. I'm like, if this is your, you know, hill to die on, if maybe you should read on. something else. Yeah. <laughs> I will be over there on that hill. with a Having a great old time with my characters. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you have a few super fans that I do rely on will reliably show up after reading the book and going, okay, here's here and here's where you have your 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 proof editing thing that got through every layer of checking up to publication. I'll be like, thank you, taking those notes, Mm -hmm. fix, put it back up for the next edition. Thank you very much, super reader. I love you very much. Yes, thanks for helping me. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Like that's there's a reason why all those memes exist, right? Where it's like. You know, hats hats off to the uh, that that typo they got through. Mm-hmm. You know, three proofreads and two editors, and yes. yeah, because even they always indie, do. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm an indie, I've got two editors checking, and I have to go through full proofing, and I go mm-hmm. through um several beta readers, several arc readers. Yep. And if it still got through mm-hmm. to publication, it almost deserves to be there. Right. It's earned its place. Right. It's like that guy in James Bond, you know, who uh, ran away from him and dives and does all that parkour stuff. And you get to the end and you're almost like, dude, he got to the embassy. The movie's over. Yeah. He earned it, man. (laughs) He earned that. He earned it. Let him win when I got stuck on it. (laughs) Yeah. I felt bad when James Bond caught him. I was like, dude. Dude, you're like he rolled a natural twenty. The DM totally screwed him. Totally screwed him because of the sake of the story. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's totally not right. Totally not right. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I'm very curious. I have a couple other friends that write for RPGs, and I've never really asked them about that. I like what because for us, we're just winging it, right? Like we're we're yeah. using Forgotten Realms, so we're using this world, but we're winging our own story. So, yeah. but there are. Can you please explain to us like the little the other things that you can use that kind of guide you through a story? 
Is that what you're writing? Are you writing like those pamphlets? Well, a lot of what I write is world building. I will have to do some stat work because stat work always comes out. Everybody has to do it. Mm -hmm. um, the level of math. Um, mm -hmm. Most of the best RPGs, though, you'll put down something and then a proper math guy will go and go, okay, here's why your math sucks or how you broke the game. I've done that one, actually. I'm like, you kind of broke the game. Here's how. And I'm like, I broke the game. <laughs> Oh dear, I'm glad we're catching this before we went to print. Because I broke the game badly. <laughs> I find some players are sneakier than I am. So they break the game, like they figure out a way that fits the rules I made. And I was yeah. like, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> yeah, basically the rule of thumb I have, because like, I've been DMing myself um, more recently now, is that mm -hmm. if it tells the best story, mm -hmm. then go with it. Yeah, because all of the the rules are all made up mm -hmm. so if you make up your own rules that is completely fine now when you have to actually write this sucker for print though um <laughs> you do have to try to at least keep it a unified system or explain why you have an exception and mm -hmm. because as much as you know the players will break your game you don't want it going out the door already broken because it's like you didn't even do your due diligence at that point right <laughs> But, I'm like, like, I tried. Yeah, exactly. I think the best thing to do is try not to reinvent the wheel. You know, if mm -hmm. there is already a, a viable system that makes sense to everybody at the table, mm -hmm. use that system. If you can't figure something out or can't think of something, you think whatever is happening is not good enough, mm -hmm. then absolutely go find a random table online. People make a bazillion of them. I've had several instances where I read, like, that's the reward they got for that epic fight. Heck no random treasure generator what else did they find oh there you go thank you for that interesting thing you know <laughs> that's awesome you know there's you know you've heard of the deck of many things right uh-huh i found a person out there who's made the deck of minor things the deck of major things the deck of crazy things the deck of things that don't quite work there are bazillion decks, and they're so fun because there's stuff that you'd never would have thought of otherwise. Well, I love those things, too, because I'm making so many decisions as it is. It's nice yeah. to just roll the dice and let the darn thing choose for me. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and then also there's an impartiality to it. So if one oh, player sure. happens to get something epically awesome, I'm like, the dice have spoken. Mm -hmm. This is what happened. Or they get something that's epically bad. It's like, this was out of my hands. You chose to do the random rise. The random roll, you can't get mad at me. That wasn't Sorry. me. It's on the chart. <laughs> on the chart. And you agree. To, I always clarify, too. It's like, you are agreeing to this. This mm -hmm. is your choice. Yeah. And that's the best thing you can do is just don't take away people's choices because yeah. it kills the game. 100% agree. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I'm working with all writers. So let me tell you, not um, giving them all the choices is very painful for me as the DM, just for the record. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, because they're way more creative than I am. <laughs> oh, okay. Sure and they're like, and we're going to do this thing. And I'm like, shit. All right, well, we'll figure it out next week. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've had to stop in the middle of the game and go, and we are now taking a five-minute break for research. That's right. Now that you've done that. Okay, now <laughs> I've got to look it up. Well, it's the benefit to streaming it live. We actually only have two-hour sessions. Oh, yeah. So we can make it go two hours. So, you know, the, the thing is, we do have to think about where we're cutting it, right? But it's just two-hour yeah. sessions since we're streaming it live. Yep, yep, and yep. so usually I can make it two hours, 
You know, oh. even if they do something in the middle, I can fake it until I can leave and go do research. But I can see if you're playing uh, yeah. a Saturday morning, right, four or five hours, which is normal, by the way, for all of y'all who don't play. That's normal. Yeah. Um, I can yeah. totally sing, um, lunch break. I need to. <laughs> One moment, please. We'll be right back. <laughs> we will be back in a minute. But, um, uh, you know, as much as we could actually talk about this all night long, I did bring you on to talk about your book. So maybe... Maybe we could talk about those. I mean, just a little bit. Okay. I'd love um, that. Yeah, you know. Um, the first question we like to ask is, how long did it take you to finish your first book? The first book took two years from start to finish. Oh, good. Good. And, yeah, Decent that's not bad. That's not too mm -mm. bad. No. Nope. Um, and it started out as a, well, uh, it started out as a dream I had because at the time <laughs> I was a playwright and I came up with this really great scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, now I need to find the story that justifies that scene happening. Right. So yeah. I did Panorama, National Novel Writing Month, where I wrote 50,000 oh. <laughs> of the book and then just kept going. And by doing that, I got the habit of writing every day into my bones. I and see. then I kind of just worked from there. And I would like to say I have finished the fourth book of this series. Um, it's The Finder of the Lucky Devils, the book we're talking about. <laughs> I have just finished writing the first draft of the fourth series, and I have finally reached that scene that started this whole thing. Nah, -uh, that's uh -huh. so funny. 10,000 words in one day. Once I hit it, I was like, we are not stopping. That and I did so not. Cool. I was midnight by the time I was like, and I can stop. I can end here. It's not finished, but I know I have two more chapters, and I, I, I have to still figure those out. But yeah, that was the most epic writing day I've ever had. Well, I mean, that'd be an epic story to have this scene in your head, and you have to write four other books before you actually get to the scene. Yeah. That's also very clever, because it also means that you knew to get to that scene, there was a lot of stuff you had to write first. Oh, yeah, and it kept getting moved back, is the other thing. Like, it was supposed to be in book two, then it was in book three and then I was like well maybe it'll be in book five and now I've slid it up to book four and and I was just like never quite sure how it was going to manifest and I was so sure I was going to be super over my word count on book four that I would have to cut it in half or something <laughs> and then and then sure enough my editor very wise woman named Jamie Garmer was like okay wait 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 because I read them in pieces on this um game app called for the words where you fight monsters by Me too. I love it yes but I had to take rewards the for chapters out because they don't let you do documents that are too long. Mm -hmm. Compile it into a Word doc. And I was like, okay, actually look what your word count is. And I was like, 116,000 words? What? I was so sure I was at 160. I was <laughs> so sure I was at 160. I was like, 16? 116? That can't be possible. <laughs> that just means you're good, man. You're good. <laughs> you're like, one book, done. <laughs> And a lot, I'm sure it's sitting on the back burner now doing that simmering thing. And a yeah. couple, I'm going to pull it out again. And I'm going to read it from the top. I'm sure I'm going to find at least 3,000 words just completing sentences. Yep. And yep. filling in lost small words. But um, yeah, that was, I, I'm really happy to finally have that out of my head, off of my mind. I've got at least another book for sure to write of this arc. And then we'll see what happens. That's fabulous. Well, I see, now this one, the Lucky Devil series, the one we're talking about then, the cyberpunk urban fantasy thriller, yes. right? I love yep. the cover, by the way. It's stunningly beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very proud. These were done by uh, J. Caleb Clark. He um, nice. have to be on a waiting list now. He's gotten so busy since we first started. Mm. Um, but yeah, he. I don't have two with me. 
he did a different cover for me originally. This was the original cover that he did. Mm. And then book two came about. Come here. Book two came about, which looked like this. Yeah. And I was like, these no longer look like they're in the same series. Right? You're like, no, no, I can see you've learned over. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then we definitely more progressive. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to be married to your first cover. As no, much as there, is, there is something I still like about this sucker. It's dark and noir and very cyberpunk glow going on there, but it mm-hmm. just this cover, this cover sells the book. Yeah, exactly. So, so we had to match them. Yep, you definitely uh, did. Good call. Yeah. I mean, marketing's half of our job, man. Then there's book three. Yep. Yep. Nice. I like the color schemes too, so it's not just one color. But that's like you said, it's good for cyberpunk. You kind of need that neon look. Yeah, you need them. You need the colors to pop, and it's tough mm-hmm. too because yellow and blue are the go-to colors to use. Mm-hmm. They're also a nightmare when you're at a con and you need to pull out the right cover, and they're all <laughs> yellow and blue. That's true. <laughs> and you go slightly mad, and you realize you didn't order enough of one because you thought you had enough. So I made <laughs> that, like as painful as it was. I got like purple. What is this? Purple and yellow. Uh huh. Kind purple of being a dominant, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Uh-huh. And then this and then one's red dominant. is dominant. Yeah, yeah, yep. makes sense. Yeah, and I think Digital Mage will probably be greens. Oh, that'll be cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, we're thinking it about it, so we're going to talk yet. I'm on the waiting list now. <laughs> You're like, wait, but I was one of your first, I should get priority. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I even have a slot at the table now, he's so busy. And, that, and the reason is because I've been with him since near the beginning. That's um, funny. That's yeah. my cover artist too. And and just like you said, her her covers sell books. Yeah. They sell yeah. books, man. It's job done. Yep. That's pretty amazing. It's back on the on the I have to say in this lucky uh, No, you're good. In this Lucky Devil series, um, you've matched together tech with magic. And yeah. I, it's very clever because most fantasy genres, they find a way to make tech dysfunctional for magic users. But you chose like the exact opposite route. Where you've got these things combined. So how did you make that work? Well, and it's not in here. I I don't fully divorce myself from that idea. It's like tech doesn't work as well around magic users and vice vice versa. So like they, but there are things that get through. Like like Mm -hmm. a magic user can have a TV. It'll be fine. But like if they do a big enough magical thing, it breaks. But there's enough magical tech Mm-hmm. Where because magic has always existed, so magic was the way people dealt with stuff. You know, you right. wanted to, you wanted to communicate long distances. You used crystal balls, and and, you, and they made it so that anybody could use it. Mm-hmm. And now technology's caught up and replaced what magic can do, and was inspired by what magic did in order for tech to be able to do it. So a lot of what I ended up doing throughout the story is like, okay, we have a tech solution and a magic solution. Whose idea won that day? or one in that moment. Uh-huh. And it's sort of a balancing act like that. But um, the magic and tech are crossing, and that's where the crux of the world is at, where they're now trying to crack how tech can make magic work without the human element inside it, or the person element inside it. Right. And, and if they do that, anybody who can figure out how to break through that barrier can rule the world, basically. So, <laughs> so yeah, it, it, the, there is a... This is the the crux point the 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 crossing point the inflection point where those things may finally cross that have been inherently separated up to now 
I, I enjoy how you're trying to tell us how it works, but you're like, but I can't give away any secrets. But, but you know, you really have to read it because this is cool. Like, I can hear that in your voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, so that's giving you too many spoilers or explaining too much. Just trust this me. This is awesome. awesome. Yes. I think the whole debate is always like, if we have the technology, we no longer need magic. But if we have power magic, we don't need to develop the technology. So it's always that trying to balance these things, you know. When I go at it, who's got the power? So like you make like magic users used to have a lot of power politically, economically. They're now becoming disenfranchised because that power is being taken away from people who do not have magic inherently. Mm -hmm. And so we're having this power backlash happening. That's clever. Mm -hmm. That's clever. Yeah. Um, well, now Anna's story, Anna's the main character in this, at least Actually, in the first book. Rune is her name. What is it? Her name is Rune Le Oh, okay. Yeah. I missed that somehow. Yeah. Her um, identity or who she used to be was Anna Masterson. Okay. And then she, when she left the situation she was stuck in, you know, left her marriage, was arrested, got away from that. Mm-hmm. She took on a new alias, Rune Levu, and throughout the book, she is Lu Rune Levu. It is her chosen name for herself. But she can't gotcha. entirely escape who she used to be, which was Anna Masterson. Right. And we never can escape, can we? Um, but her, her story takes place in Chicago, which is where you live, right? Yes. So I'm wondering, is Chicago, because like I have my paranormal thriller, it takes place in Houston, too. And I kind of use Houston yeah. as one of the characters. Um, yeah. there's so much about this city I just adore. So I put it in. So I'm wondering, do you do that with this? Is Chicago like one of the characters or is it just background for the story? I feel it is. And my mother mm -hmm. feels it is. Um, <laughs> I think it sort of depends on which book, um, where the, how much of a character Chicago is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I do feel like it, it, it kind of fell back a little bit in, in the third book, but it's come more prevalent again in the fourth book. But yeah, I try to pull out the little landmarks of my city. Not just like everybody knows the Bean, everybody knows Sears Tower, everybody knows, you know, the Field Museum and Sioux. Mm -hmm. So I was just like, here's this coffee shop on a weird triangle that if, unless you know the area, you don't know what I'm talking about. And I've loved how people have read my books here in Chicago and not like, you're talking about New Wave Coffee, aren't you? <laughs> yes. like yes. as a matter of fact i am <laughs> matter of fact i am That's um awesome. little things like that um there's uh -huh. a few landmarks in the book that don't exist anymore they're gone actually yeah. by the time the book got out you know mm -hmm. so there, there's little things like that but the city is always evolving right and i chose chicago for my first series mostly because it was my first series and i was like i don't want to reinvent the wheel let's start yep. with what i know mm -hmm. and my other series have been um Prisoner of the Dead, which is the next series that I have published, that takes place in Colorado near Denver. or But what was Denver? Because this is post-post-zombie apocalypse, so the world has fallen long time ago, and there's just ruins left. But it's in Colorado. And then um, my new book, which is actually coming out on Thursday, this one's a cheat. This was um, originally Chicago for the version I wrote when I – because this was a play – before I wrote it, reconverted it into a book. How fun! Nobody wanted to do a superhero play, and I don't know why, but nobody wanted to do a superhero play. It's ridiculous. They were like, oh, you can do it for kids. I'm like, this is not for kids. This, this is not a kid story. Not <laughs> at the beginning story. of that one. That is not a kid story. But it was set in a Chicago then, because I was still a new writer, and now uh -huh. it's Phoenix City that has a lot of very odd parallels to Chicago. Chicago. Like, big Lake. 
And there's a museum that isn't the field museum, but it's the track museum. You know, little ha-has. That's all. You know where we're from. It's like how Gotham City is really Chicago. And, and yeah, uh, yeah. You mean New York, right? Yeah, Batman drives through LaSalle Bank off of LaSalle Street onto LaSalle, but he went through the bank and now he's on Wacker Drive for some crazy ass reason. <laughs> Somehow he got there from LaSalle Street. Yeah, what? No, yeah, I love the um um well that that book that actually I was so excited about that one. Um the uh, so it's the yeah, the vilification of Aquamarine. Um yeah. I mean, it's such a fun superhero story. We don't get enough of those. And I don't mean fun as yeah. in a light way, by the way. Um, but it's a very interesting take on it. So I wonder, how long has this idea been swirling around in your head? Well, like I said, originally Vilification was a play I wrote. Um, mm -hmm. uh, writing plays with the Women's Theater Alliance, which is a group that tried to bring up women's voices, women writers, mm -hmm. showcase them to uh, theaters and try to get more women's work done. And that, mm -hmm. that year it was sort of supernatural and fun. And, and so I wrote a superhero story and it's that first chapter, I think the first chapter and the second chapter of the book was the short play that I wrote. It was a 30 minute one act sort of thing. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. But I, everybody involved loved it. People loved uh -huh. it in, in the theater. Yeah. No to pick it up nobody wanted to take a chance on it nobody thought it was worthy or whatever you know they just didn't get it they was like we'll take it to kids theater and again i'm like have you seen venture brothers that's what this is kind of like no it's not going to fly no, it's, no. it's not a kid's show it like teenagers sure yeah. teenagers would be down on like mm -hmm. this is their thing for sure but but children children no this is not children children or, you know, what about, you know, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, right? Like, I mean, there's like lots that. of superhero kind of things that are adult. <laughs> this is definitely. That are for adults. Yeah. Made uh -huh. for adults. I, I mean, Marvel was doing their thing, but it was just getting started. It was not like, I, I if I pitched it now, I'm sure somebody would want to pick it up because of what Marvel's cinematic universe has done. Mm -hmm. But but I turned it into a novel instead. No, I like this better because you yeah, have more yeah. control, first of all. And second of all, we get more. So this is yeah. good. I'm hoping to convince the wo the the woman who originally played Aquamarine in my play to get dressed up back up in her costume and like promote it and stuff on the on the thing. But I gotta I gotta reach out to her and say, so where are you these days? How's it going? Do you still have that weird cup that we made spin water when you did this with your hand? Do you still have that? Wanna do <laughs> me a costume fit? <laughs> wondering yeah just wondering you well, know i have to say though that book has one of my favorite taglines i've ever seen oh so it's if the road to hell is paved with good intentions aquamarines is a slip and slide with capes i just it's brilliant like i would buy the book just based on that i'm like nope Thank that's you. it i need the book <laughs> i need this book all right. Well, I now know what my AMS ads are going to say. Oh, no doubt. That is exactly what they have to say. I love it. Um, and like, I I mean, I come up with these. This is part of what I do as a publisher. I do it all yeah. the time. That one is brilliant. Thank so, you. Thank you. <laughs> it made You're me so happy. That. It's so I hard to make that stuff happen. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I, so I absolutely can vouch for that. But when you find the one like that, I mean, it's like gold. You're like, nope, done. Stamp it, man. That is the nope, one. Got it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, so if this is um, for this one. So you said it comes out Thursday because I saw it was already up, but it was just the print. So I was hoping you get the yeah. ebook. 
The okay. print is out because I needed to order copies in time for my cons in July. That I understand, yeah. And no as doubt. it is, I may be squeaking by for that yep. first con for sure. Um, Gotta take it forever. The ebook pre-order will be av- uh, live on Thursday. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Because I really must have that one. I did. I read the beginning. I was like, I must. Oh, good. I must have you read the first chapter. I did. I did. Well, it, um, well, it wasn't the whole chapter even, right? It was just the sample that it gave. And oh, so okay. it, did, it wasn't even the full one for the. Yeah. For I know people sample. on my newsletter, I released the full first chapter to them to have it read as a special, you know, bonus because you're on my newsletter and I like you people. Yes. Aw, see, that's the way to go, right? Thank you for being in my newsletter. Yeah. The first chapter is always free. <laughs> Yes, right? It should be. It's, that's why I always tell people, like, I'm like, look, if you were going to a bookstore, you could read the first chapter. There's no reason why you can't do that electronically, too. You should be able to do this here, too. It's the same, same. Yep. So, yep, I like it. Um, so, good, good. So, I'll, I'll look for that on Thursday. You'll have to post it, and I'll share it on our Facebook Oh, page I will too. post it like mad. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Um, so for all of these books you have, so you have a lot of, you know, you've got this cyberpunk thing going on. You've got the superheroes. You know, you've got a lot of this spec fic, which is why we adore you. Yeah, um, yeah. zombie apocalypse. What do you, yes, and the, the zombies, right? So you've got all of these, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of got all of the genres covered, quite frankly. I love uh, so far, so good. I still have an epic fantasy coming out at the end of the year. Nice. You yeah. just need like a, a big sci-fi, like a... Space opera um, or something. I do, yeah, I do have a space opera concept page mm-hmm. ready to go. Um, I, I, and I'm just sort of like, I've got to get one of these oh. series done. <laughs> and then I'll slot that one in. And I will have my hard sci-fi with the big ship on the cover. Uh. And, and then, yeah, I will be a one-woman bookstore. You will. You will. It's very impressive. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, what do you hope readers get from your work? Ooh, I, I want them to be entertained. I want them to get the ideas that I've got laced in there underneath the spectacle. Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to, to relate. I want, you know, cause it's all just craziness in your own head until somebody else reads it or until somebody else reflects it back to you. Um, I want people to be excited for the next book or for, you know, the next whatever I end up putting out because I feel like I'm having a lot of deep conversations in these books and I want other people to talk to me about those conversations. It's not a conversation if you don't hear from the fans, right? It's like, I need to, you know, I want to hear from you, please. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm layering the speckle on or the spectacle very thick, but at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, there are simple stories underneath, you know, Mm that this is a person trying to understand her legacy and her place in the world after surviving trauma you know, mm-hmm. this person is trying to connect in a world where he has not learned how to communicate within it. And, you know, this one is about someone trying to get her feet off the ground and figure out how to be an adult in a world that doesn't really make sense to anybody. Right. You know, and it's yep. like, you know, there's a, there's like the her mother dealing with her mother and not being able to communicate with this parent cares so much about you. And you just don't connect. And it's, you know, they're real, like, solid stories. And then overlaying them is this amazing superheroes and zombies and magic and technology cyberpunk holograms. Because that's the fun part. That's what keeps us interesting or interested so that we actually get to the meaning. That's what I always think anyway. Yeah, it's like solid ham sandwich with lots of aioli. That's right. (laughs) Because that's the good part. Um. Let's well, we talked a lot about RPGs and about your book. So I'm wondering if you could turn one of these worlds of yours into an RPG world, which one would you choose? 
I would start with Finder of the Lucky Devil mostly because I've written enough in that world and have, have fleshed that world out enough to support, I believe, a good RPG campaign because you can have the magic side and you have the tech side. And and I, you know, I've had talked to a few people about like, what would that even look like? It's basically about having the time to actually execute it. Right. Um. Because, yeah, you could be any one of these races. I've got all the races. I've got like centaurs. We've got a naga. There's a mermaid who's a dog groomer. There's, you know, <laughs> I love the mermaid who's a dog groomer. I My feel daughter's bad. a dog groomer and she just yeah. dyed her hair green. Maybe she's a mermaid and I didn't know. I'm going to have to go talk to her. <laughs> Right, exactly, exactly. Actually, my plan is for she she was in the first book and then she hasn't appeared yet. But I keep like, hang on, hang on, Taki, I'm going to get you back in. And my plan is she's going to run for office in the fifth book. Oh, you know, she's going to like be in her little wheelchair with her, you know, water thing over her scales. And she's going she's a business owner and she's running for Congress. And, and it's just like, you know, that's what I'm going to do with her. She's going to be awesome. I love it. Oh my gosh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Um, well, as an old hat at cons, or should I say a leather hat at cons? Leather hat at cons. This, look at that. It's beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. What do you think is the benefit of attending? So there are, there's a few different things. One, you get to connect with people, again, where it's not just you alone with your computer you're connecting with people and connecting them to your stories and hearing immediate feedback. If you've got fans already, they come to talk to you about with immediate feedback. They're always pumping you for the secrets. I'm pretty <laughs> good at not giving them away. Um, but you get that immediate feedback. They're like, okay, yes, what I'm working is doing or what I'm not, or I'm not communicating clearly enough here. And this is what I can explain further in your other books. It always feeds your writing. It should feed your writing, your creativity. Even when you're a shy person, because I've had a few friends who are introverts, they always get more stimulated to keep going after they attend a con. Um, the second is, is for people to, like, I'm really good at pitching my books to people one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I'm not terrible at the online thing, but I am very good at the at the in-person thing. And I like that connection because it's, again, stimulating for me. I'm a naturally extroverted person. I get my soul fed by doing things like that. And it's like, mm -hmm. let me tell you why my book is good. And I can express my enthusiasm for it. <laughs> and and the more diversity diversity of things I write, the more I have to connect to other people and their likes and, and get their stories. And it, it is so much fun. And it's so <laughs> much fun. And it's good because yeah, yeah. you also learn to, like, uh, you get a good sampling of who you're writing to. Like, your first fan should be yourself. It should absolutely be yourself. I but agree. it's also good to hear from the people you actually also want to write for. Mm -hmm. You know, part of the reason I wrote a spinoff story. Hang on, let's spin around again. Was um, this one. She's an antagonist in my first book. Okay. But she's not necessarily a bad guy. So I was like, you're too badass to just leave there. And one of the thing, reasons I really wanted to end up writing this book was there were so many teenage black girls who came to these cons. And there was almost nothing that spoke specifically to that demographic at these cons. And I was like, this is the most badass character I've ever written. There's no way I couldn't just write her own story. And the second one for this one's coming out very soon, too. This one's in production edits right now. That's and that's actually um, my my old job. Uh, that's the secretary. She has the, like the most fantastic hair all the time. And there was one day I walked in. And I was like, I need to take a three quarters picture of your hair. Can I right now? <laughs> yeah. 
it was like forward side and then three quarters. And I literally sent it to the to the artist, and he was like, "Cut, paste." So she's a badass cyberpunk, you know, uh, you know, but it was like, I wouldn't have thought to that this person should be more on her own storyline if I hadn't seen this demographic not being served. And it was like, they were some of the most enthusiastic sci-fi fantasy people. And I was just like, I really want there to be something on the table that you can look at and go, I could cosplay that. That could be me. I feel uh-huh. I feel represented, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still have a dream. I have a friend who was in theater with me named Betty Gabriel, and she's doing a lot of movies. She was in a get out. Um, I would love if this ever went to Netflix for her to play this. You know, I was thinking of her when I was writing this and I would love to see her actually play it because I think she'd rock it to hell. Well, and back again. She'd and back it again. It'd be awesome. I mean, maybe literally. <laughs> yeah. It depends on how this story turns out. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, now that, you know, we're actually going back to cons, which one are you most excited about returning to? Oh, well, I've been doing cons actually through 2020. Mm-hmm. Or not 2020, 2021, last year. Um, what am I looking forward to this year? Oh, you know, Kamapalooza is in July, and that one's, that's when I've not been to before, but it sounds epic, and I've heard only good things about it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's about. Um, it sounds to me like more of a fan con sort of thing, and that's really got a special energy when, you know, you, you attract people who are just fans of X. And they're so joyful to be doing these things. Um, I'm always looking forward to going back to Dragon Con. That one is more on a professional level for me, because I get to... Yeah, us too, yeah. Yeah, again, it's like I'm not just alone in my basement doing this thing. Here are my, you know, compatriots, my contemporaries, my colleagues, mm-hmm. um, and just connecting up with those people again and feeling feeling a part of the community. Um, what else? I've got so many cons. You know what? I put it on my phone so I would be able to just refer to it later. <laughs> right? Like there's so much. There's so much coming out. Um. I'll be doing Raleigh Galaxy Con again. I'm doing Chicago Fan Expo here in a couple weeks. And that one's nice because that's just my backyard. Yep. We're right up in Rosemont. I'm there like 15 minutes away. I'm finally going to get to go to Fan X. Fan X in Salt Lake City. I have tried to go twice. Mm-hmm. And the first time COVID happened. And the second time my books got eaten by the supply chain. And it oh, was sort of like, no. no point in going. I have nothing to sell. Nothing to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to sell you. And then I will definitely be doing Baltimore Comic Con. I'm looking forward to that one because I've had some friends go there and say, hey, that's the that's one of the be- best ones to go to. That's awesome. Um, I end the year with Galaxy Con Columbus, which will be new for me. So, yeah. Yeah, we want to do Raleigh. Very um, that That's on our list of wish yeah. cons. And we want to do Emerald City. Have you ever done that one? Have I done what? Emerald City. Nope. Nope. Would love to. Yeah, we want to do that I definitely too. applied this year to go to Emerald City, um, mm-hmm. but my understanding is they basically rolled over their list from the previous year and almost nobody knew got in. So, right. you know, don't take that as anything personal. I'm just sort of like, yep, that's kind of half the cons I applied for was exactly that. It was like, we will put you on the waiting list. We're mostly just rolling over and seeing who doesn't show up. And it's like, right. that's unfair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh- 
We live in a different world. And then at some point, it just is what it is, too. That's like Dragon Con, right? Like, we're on the list of Dragon Con, but we're on the waiting list. And there's no way we're going to get in this year. We know there isn't. But we're going to keep applying. And then hope one of these years we'll finally get slotted in, right? So. Yep. That's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. do. It's like, I'm actually looking forward to, because I'm not selling at Dragon Con this year either. I'm looking forward Mm -hmm. to going as a professional and just doing the panels and just Mm -hmm. doing like the hanging out and the networking and stuff and actually being at the con. Because Mm -hmm. the one tough thing about going to cons to sell is you can be stuck in that vendor room the entire time. And then it's as if you never were at the con. So I'm, I'm looking forward to going to that not as an attendee, but more like an attendee and less like a mm-hmm. entrepreneur. That makes sense. No, I think I'm going to just kind of stick with Nancy Knight the whole time and try to like really get in there as a publisher. Okay. Do it. Definitely do okay. it. Oh yeah. Like, no, 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 no. Last year I was, I sold, I had 40 of my main of uh, finder with me. I sold them out in a day and a half and had very little left to do after that. I was I was just like no I was undersupplied for the <laughs> amount of demand that was going to storm my castle and I ended up like selling book two and book three because people just wanted something with my name written on it it was just like this is weird and I'm loving it uh huh they're like well you know at least they have the, your signature they could buy the other one later you know what I mean so they that's just what, wanted your signature yep that's makes what they sense. Figured. that's what they figured and I was sending them to Amazon my ranking was really healthy that weekend. <laughs> Yep. Nope. That's the fun part, man. That's the fun part. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Well, we've had so much fun with you. We've got the lightning round now. The lightning round. This okay. is the quick, important questions. It's okay. the most important part. That's why we save it till last. Okay. Short answers. So, okay. All right. Put your thinking hat on. I don't know if it's under the leather one or <laughs> yeah. It's, okay. Here we go. Banner. The, the, the thing on the round it. That's where the thinking comes from. I love it. I love it. All right. Here we go. We're going to test it today. All right. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? A uh, chocolate rocky road. Ooh, delicious! Can zombies climb? No. Oh, Og's gonna be so mad. Steak on the grill or cast iron? Grill. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? England. Oh, cool. Who is your favorite band or musician? My husband Paul. Oh, how sweet <laughs> is that? Oh, what is your favorite or what is your least favorite chore around the house? All of them. Um, (laughs) I had to stump you with one of these. I think it's I think it's dealing with the garbage. That's fair. I'd say it's dealing with the garbage, especially if someone's put garbage in the sink instead of the garbage can, which is an equal distance from the position of the stove where where this garbage was probably developed. <laughs> you could take a left and put it in the garbage can, or in, you, instead you turned right and dumped it in the sink where we do not have a garbage disposal. <laughs> You're like death to the cooker of this food. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. I feel your pain. <laughs> um, excellent. So finally, where can fans find you and your work? All right, so... Everything I've got right now is on Amazon, and on there it's also under KU. So if you have KU, you can read it for free. Please do. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a website, MeganMackeyAuthor.com. Um, if you go there and sign up for my newsletter, you can get a free short story from me as my thank you for you know joining my club. Um, and you can also find links to all of these books and compare and contrast as you will. 
Um, I am also on Facebook the most. Uh, and again, Megan Mackey author. Um, Instagram, um, which again, I think is Megan Mackey author. I have a consistent theme here. I, I have a Twitter thing, but I just, I don't understand Twitter. And I'm, I'm sorry to everybody who loves Twitter, but it, to me, it's like screaming in the hall of screams. It's just like, I, I don't get it in there for me to understand it um but i do have a tiktok channel too um where i have talked about selling at cons broken down little ideas of how you sell at cons step by step actionable things you can do to go sell at cons i'm gonna start expanding my book talk as i learn and understand what that is and so you know come follow me also on tiktok Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you. Now that Megan is your new favorite author, please make sure to review her wherever it is you get your books. And also please review us wherever it is you get your podcast. You can also follow us on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash CurseDragonship or subscribe on CurseDragonship.com slash YouTube. And we'll see you next week with William Joseph Roberts. We'll see you then. Thank you. Thank you.